Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. And I'm Brian Dawes. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Carrie is only going to be joining us for um, story podcasts. Lorelai and Chris are both on well-deserved vacations. Uh, Chris wanted you all to know that he was so upset that there was no card for old Rutstein in this set that he flew to Seattle and he's going to break into uh, Watsi headquarters to give them a piece of his mind. Good luck, Chris. Good luck, Chris. <clears throat> let us let us know how gentle security is for you. Uh, so this week we're going to talk about the flavor gems of Midnight Hunt. So this 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 set was pretty cool. I mean, honestly, this is I think this is my favorite Innistrad set from a purely aesthetic Vorthos perspective. Like I liked Eldritch Moon because I like cosmic horror type stuff, but I think this one is my favorite overall over a lot of the other ones with what they've done. So let's talk about that a little bit. Well, first of all, what about you, Brian? How do you feel about this one? I guess this one seems like it's better, but then again, like I like the hope aspect of Innistrad because, hey, I'm a Celestia mage, so you get what you get. But um, I, I guess this one's not bad. I like it more than the last visit. But uh, considering how some of the flavor text is leaning, I'm not sure that I'm going to like the ending to the story here. So we'll see what happens. But It, it might get worse before it gets better. Or it, it might just, just everything bad happens all the time and nothing good happens. It, it we'll could see. go either way. Yeah. We'll have to see. Uh, so what's really cool about this one is the Halloween or Samhain theme going on everywhere. So this is a very witchy set. So we talked about it a little bit, but you get to see some of that stuff in the floating candles and things like Candle Grove Witch, Candle Trap, uh, Candlelit Cavalry. It's a nice new visual motif for the witch's magic and the harvest tide magic that's really refreshing for a third visit to Innistrad. Like, this is exactly the shot in the arm Innistrad needed to be creatively interesting yeah. moving forward. Definitely. We also see a lot of masks. There's Hedge Witch is a Hedge Witch's Mask, Ritual of Hope, Mask of Crystal Brandon, and basically anything that shows the Harvest Tide Festival shows people in these masks, which uh, have the similar function as they did in real life and to scare off, you know, evil spirits. I'm really hoping that works for them, but I have a feeling it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's also a lot of jack-o'-lanterns. There is Festival Crasher. Um, You get to see some of them as well in Crossroads Candle Guide. You see a lot of pumpkins everywhere as well. And there's even a card called Jack-o'-lantern that is kind of lording over a bunch of pumpkin pies, which is kind of hilarious. So uh, that was also another really cool theme to see throughout. Pumpkin pie. Do you have a favorite pie? Do I have a favorite pie? It's not yes. pumpkin, I'll tell you that. No, uh, apple pie. I am an apple pie fanatic. Give me an apple pie with some whipped cream, and I am all good. All good. It's so good. You know, pumpkin pie, I... Ugh, no thank you. Yeah, I'm more of a, a like a, a roasted pumpkin seed guy, but I, I'm, I'm not a huge pumpkin pie person either. I'm more key lime roasted pumpkin seeds were good i'll i'll give you that i'll give you that um so let's talk a little bit so what i what else i liked about this set is you know i'm a bit of a horror movie fan 
this dipped into more than the classic Universal Monsters realm of the original Innistrad. Uh, it it did not do the cosmic horror of the Shadows of Innistrad and Eldritch Moon. This is the B-movie horror set. <laughs> this is the 1950s radiation panic set. And there's a lot of great examples of this too. And yeah, there's also like some folk horror. Um, So the blob is heavily represented here with all of the oozes like sludge monster consuming blob and Slogurk the over slime. (laughs) Uh, So the blob is a very famous movie about, I I don't know how to tell you about this, but it's about a blob, like a blob, an ooze thing that overtakes a small town, which is what happens in a lot of these. Uh, There's also a reference to them, exclamation point. Uh, If you don't know anything about them, it is one of the early irradiated insect kind of films. Basically, uh, the card Rise of the Ants shows you uh, in the movie itself, a bunch of ants get irradiated and again, destroy a small town. (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing how much that happens in horror movies no spider um, people here i just remember command and conquer red alert the original had a special mission that you could a special couple missions where you could fight giant ants again with your army that you had to like access a special way and i always remember thinking that was so cool and looked up like what that was based on later and that was them uh there's also a lot of like ghostbusters influence here as well like the the geist mages that we see um or the the necro alchemists that we see are very much channeling the ghostbusters now they got a little bit of uh the the they got a little bit of acclaim after their role during the travails so they're able to practice a little more openly and you see you can really see the the ghostbuster influences more more steadily here um there's also a really great texas chainsaw massacre which is a very classic slasher film called the meat hook massacre um and then there's flesh taker which has which haunts many many a, a, a magic player's dreams now uh but that really takes a lot from the slasher horror genre uh because it is not a minotaur it is a man in a cat in a bull <laughs> bull hood with a meat cleaver and it is yeah it is not great not gonna not lie great. when i saw that art i was like that can't be a real magic card like that art is so creepy and it's like it's not even anything like blatantly overt it's just like you know something is off about the art and it's just like oh honestly it is to me it's way scarier than like anything from eldritch moon i i agree one of the things that makes like slasher horror so so appealing i don't want to call it appealing but so scary is how real it can be you know like these are people not monsters it's easier to dissociate with monsters than it is with just a psychotic human being who wants you dead yeah uh we got a new delver of secrets that pulls more directly from the uh cronenberg the fly film uh, with Jeff Goldblum, uh, it is it is very much more campier than the original. The original uh, Delver kind of turned him into just literally a giant insect. Uh, this one definitely pulled more from the fly 
there's even a machine he's getting out of after he he turned rather than simply drinking a potion and turning into this insect thing but there's been multiple references to this every set has had like a delver of secrets evolution so he went from like then he went from the insect to like a whole other thing too uh we see a lot of folk horror um i can call out the wicker man especially because they have a lot of effigies like raise the effigy where they they burn it down a big werewolf um but a lot of the witchy rituals also have kind of a deliberately so kind of a creepy vibe you're not quite sure whether it's a good thing or a bad thing um so and folk horror influences you know quite a quite a bit throughout this set as well uh which is good because it's the kind of thing Innistrad needed uh there's also some cryptid sightings which is pretty cool shadow beast sighting is adorable because it's basically bigfoot (laughs) <laughs> the blur it's the blurry photo someone catches a bigfoot there's some other examples as well as well there's like a root vine walker i can't remember the name of that card off the top of my head uh and then old stick fingers is in that same like creepy yeah. cryptid uh urban legend vibe um and we also get a lot of like haunting horror this time around we've seen that in the past but it's mostly um it, it confines itself to the usual, like, oh, a ghost is in the house somewhere. Uh, but this time around, we get, like, Poppet Stitcher, uh, who really pulls on, like, the creepy doll horror. Stuff like Chucky, or if you're a fan of Goosebumps, Slappy, or the more recent Annabelle films. Like, creepy dolls are always just terrible. Um, but it was really cool that they had that uh, included in here, because they've had creepy dolls before. But these are these are especially out there. Heirloom mirror mirrors play a big part in a lot of horror, especially in terms of like demonic possessions and things. Candyman. Uh, yeah, I, I listed Candyman here because uh, Candyman's Oops. a particularly famous example of you know if you, you say his name, what is it? You say his name five times, it's three times in front of a mirror, and he shows three, up. Yeah. Um, Just got a new movie yeah it did i haven't checked it out yet so it's pretty cool uh yeah there's also like that that comes there's a lot of urban legends around that with like bloody mary and things like that as well uh and then hostile hostile which is just an amazing name hostile hostile (laughs) (laughs) you got you got to really enunciate there to not sound like uh, a, a person who is stuttering a lot like i am right now uh but that one really gives a lot of shining vibes you know there's haunted houses but haunted hotels are on a different level um and it was just i i really love all of these uh there's another one the one with the mask on the wall i can't remember off the top of my head gave me some real evil dead vibes of the uh the the deer head that comes to life in the um in the evil dead too yeah and then the whole house comes alive so there's a lot of really cool horror references, but we also get a lot of legendaries this time around. So yeah, uh, the first one that I, I thought was really cool was Adeline. Um, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Uh, yeah, Adeline. We're spilling the Cathar. She looks really cool in her art. And we got our first... Oh wait. Well, we got a glimpse of her in the third story, or was it second? The second story really cool um love the 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 art on both the normal art and the the uh 
guess, showcase art or whatever they're calling it now. The black and white. The There's like the Eternal Night variants. Yeah. That's yeah. What uh, something like that. Yeah. I, I forget exactly what they call it, too. Adeline's pretty cool. She and Chandra have this, or, or Chandra, have this uh, flirtatious thing going on that uh, d- does not end in uh, number three. Um, but yeah, Adeline is very cool. Uh, I'm very excited for y'all to see more of her in the story going forward. Uh, Kay Arsenal Rivera did a just amazing job with this story. Um, <clears throat> we also got Lear, Disciple of the Drowned which is one of these uh, sea god cultists that we've heard about for a long time in the same vein as like Runo Stromkirk worshiping these deep sea gods. We don't know much else about him just yet, although I'm fairly certain the new legends of Innistrad article just came out. So you can go check that out on the mothership if you want to learn more about him. Uh, We got a new Gisa as well. Uh, there's not a whole lot to say there other than uh, she is paired this time with a character named Wilhelt, who is, uh, and this 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 is a, a very entertaining twist. Wilhelt has like a crush on Gisa. And so, you know, um, Grolf has basically not, wants nothing else to do with Gisa right now. We know that from from last time. And so now uh, she's being uh, pestered by this uh, zombie suitor. Uh, and she, he's the one she's going to war with, with her zombies now. Um, <clears throat> she can't even remember his name. <laughs> and she's effectively, like, lording over the ruins of Thraben. Because it got destroyed, effectively. So, super cool. You want to talk about Jadar? 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 How do you say his name? I would... Uh... I was going to say Jadar, but I don't know that it, like... Well, there's Jadar, ghoul caller of Nephalia. So we've gotten introduced to some more necromancer-type characters. Before this, it was really just Gisa and Garalf on the cards, and Ludovic. Uh, but now we're getting more characters um, that are... More legendary characters that are that are involved in this. Um, <clears throat> we also got... Uh, Jaren, corrupted bishop, who is the uh, Skurzdag cultist bishop, uh, and on the flip side, we got a new Ormendal, um, which is the demon who we, we've talked about him last time. I'm not going to get into him. Yeah. Uh, there's also Denik, pious apprentice, who becomes a, uh, a pious spirit after he dies. Uh, we actually see him in the third story. His family has some involvement with the Moon Silver Key. Uh, there's Florian, the the kind of flamboyant Valderan scion. I'm not sure if he's actually meant to be like Olivia's son or not, or if he's just like the most popular. Like if something were to happen to Olivia, he'd be the one taken over for the scion. Or if he's just a random Valderan vampire. Who knows? Uh, we got a new Ludovic, Necrogenius. Uh, this <laughs> Ludovic card is really interesting. And on the back, it's got this new creation of his called Olag. Uh, who has a kind of interesting backstory because he was created to be the ultimate killing machine. But Oleg doesn't want to kill anybody. He's kind of peaceful. And the, he, so um, <laughs> so Ludovic uh, locked him in a basement, basically. But there's another voice saying that he's going to let him out soon. Uh, we got Laisa, Forgotten Archangel, back. Um, 
I'm not going to talk much more about her. We talked about her in the past. She was the fourth angel sister who died. Uh, and now she's back. So yeah, she's, 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 she's cool. I like her a lot. Um, you may or may not see more of her. I, I'm, I'm not going to get into it. Plead the fifth. Uh, <laughs> old stick fingers is that uh, cryptid kind of character I talked about. It's very creepy. Um, kind of the kind of monster you might see in like a Blair Witch Project style found footage movie, like just out of the corner of your eye or something. Uh, we also got Rem Carolus, who is awesome. He is the uh, he is the Van Helsing of the plane. So he's just an utter badass. <laughs> I really like this guy. So I'm glad he got a card. I talked about Slogurk a little earlier. We got Vadric, the astral archmage, who has kind of taken over the Genric role um, as the lunar scholar. Uh, he was friends with Genric back in the day. Uh, and we also got a card for the Celestis, which is this ancient artifact that helps, uh, that that is part of what the Donhart Coven is trying to use in order to set right the balance of day and night that's been thrown off since the travails. Just want to say that Vadric looks like Lunar Mystic, who got a, a, a promotion. He got his own legendary card this time. He does, yeah. He looks just like Lunar Mystic. Yeah, that's probably where they pulled the uh, the, the idea from. Uh, so a few others. Um, Brian, did you want to go into some of these? Because you, you you listed some of those. There's, so there's Catilda, who plays a key role in the story. Um so we'll probably learn more about her as we do our story reviews. She's the head of the Dawnheart Coven. Yep. Yep. And there's Tovalar, which we will also have a lot of story about. Oh, Sarath, the Viper's Fang. So Sarath, we got a story about where she was paired against... Um, what's the other one's name? She's not in the set itself, but I think she's one of the commander characters. Uh, where she was set against the the person who's like in charge, like the mayor of the... Uh, of the festival uh lenore the autumn sovereign and uh will Helt, we mentioned earlier uh there's also eloise nefalia sleuth who is a, a a neat character that we may or may not see more of uh kyler sigardian emissary um and i think those that was it for the new legendaries we don't know too much about kyler or eloise just yet they might also be in the new legends so you can check it out there we don't need to go into that here all right do you want to talk about beloved beggar Sure. So Beloved Beggar is one of my favorite cards in the new set just because of the flavor text. Like I said at the beginning, I'm a Celestial Mage and I'm not super big into horror. So these kind of cards where they tell a story about someone growing from the experience or showing some hope in the in in light of the, the dark world that we're in. I love the flavor of Beloved Beggar where, you know, on Innistrad, you you never like when I think of Innistrad, like generosity and um, charity are not the first things that comes to mind at all. So seeing this card and then seeing what happens after this beggar dies and he decides to forgo the blessed sleep and protect the town is something that really resonates with me, and I really love the story that this card tells. There are quite a few of those that are really good. Um, these disturb cards are are frequently good. There's one that is very clearly a, jeez, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, uh, a Christmas tale. Scrooge. There's, there's one that's very clearly a Scrooge where on one side he's like a misanthrope and on the other side he's like a 
generous spirit it's it's very cute yeah like all these disturbed cards make me super happy um it's also bereaved survivor um showing that this woman who's lost her sister is willing to grow and on the the back side of her card she's a she's a cathar and she's like exuding strength from growing from the horrors that she's experienced like i said cards like this make me super happy and and are the, the the few things that make me like this plane a little bit more than than i would otherwise but there's light on this otherwise dark plane yeah um next notable card for me is like faithful absence where's papa markov why he why he not in his his, his coffin what's going on i, I think we'll find I out plead the fifth. <laughs> we'll find out in the next set but it's like i, I felt like that card was a, a really big tease in a set where i wasn't expecting anything of the sort so um really interested to see where that goes but yeah like things like uh Lunark Marshal, or I'm sorry, Lunark Veteran, also shed some more light on on the the plane where you know I thought people had kind of switched wholesale to Sagarda, but there's still people out there that are fully that still believe in Avicen despite all the, the the things of the travail, and it's interesting to see. And you know, it makes sense considering how people are sometimes really rooted in their faith. They they see the, 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 the fact that sometimes their faith isn't really rooted in the best places. They, they still look for the hopeful part of their, like the, the key parts of their religion as far as um, the things that are worth fighting for. And even if their deity or their source of strength isn't around anymore or isn't what it, they thought it was, they can still... They can still look for the better parts of their religion that are worth embodying, like the hope or the, the strength and the, the well-being that their religion was meant to bring to them. So I, I think what you're getting at there, Brian, is it is, well, Shadows Over Innistrad was really harsh on the faith aspect of Innistrad, and it is nice to see this time around uh, that Faith is such an important part of the plane, and it's not kind of cynical faith either. You know, there are all these things that people turn uh, turn to, like you mentioned with beloved beggar, like community, um, the the witches and Grindanu or Grindranu, or I forget exactly what their what their faith is around, but the Sigardian sects, the Avicinians, like. It's everyone is holding on to something that is helping them get through this long night. Yeah. So Vanquish the Horde is the next card that I, I really took an interest to because we've seen a couple instances of Audric showing up, but we don't see a lot of him in the set, as in, where's his card? I, I need to know, Wizards. where's Audric, though? Man, it's a shame we won't be visiting Innistrad again for, like, months I... and months. I know, Jay. But five I years. <laughs> it's a five years minimum between sets. So maybe, maybe he'll have a set next time. Who knows? A, a card next set. We'll Who see. knows? He, he was my favorite character from from the last couple of sets, and I love his cards as well. So can't wait to see the next card. Maybe in the next set. Who knows? 
Arrogant Outlaw is a really interesting story card as well because it's flavor text. Um, basically hints at the fact that the Falconrath bloodline has been effectively gutted by the Eldrazi um, scourge, basically. Um, and it, it's down to its dregs. And uh, I'm really interested to see what, what becomes of them in the next set. Yeah, this time around, we got a lot of uh, werewolf lore. We got these new dyers and other stuff. Uh, we don't get too much on the vampires because the next set, Crimson Vow, is clearly much more focused on the vampires than this one is. So there's probably more in there about what's going on with all the vampire houses. But yeah, the Falconrass, for those who don't remember or weren't around, they really got decimated by the Travails. Uh, they were the uh, they were the vampire house that or the vampire bloodline that most succumbed to uh, Emrakul's influence. So most of them got turned into like Eldrazi horror uh, vampires that have, that, that have since been killed off. There are a few more cards I wanted to outline before we wrap up for today. Uh, croaking counterpart is this kind of whimsical it's a it's a frog in a cathar suit or it's (laughs) it's just it's just amazing like with all the witchy themes going on like a frog a person getting duplicated as a frog or being turned into a frog or whatever is just kind of like i've seen people mention like this is more in play more uh at home in like eldraine and i mean yeah because it's involved in a lot of fables but also you know Innistrad could also use some whimsy, and I just really loved this card simply because of that kind of whimsical feeling. I mean, it's like, gives me the feeling of like Throg, if for those of you who don't know who Throg is, it's <laughs> Thor as a frog, <laughs> that it was split, basically split off into his own character because he's amazing. He's got his own little Mjolnir and everything. It's, it's adorable. It's great. But anyway, Croaking Counterpart is just adorable. I love it. Uh, there's another one where we see it's one of those, it's like one of the commander cards that's only in the set boosters. Uh, but we see the Gitrog monster on it, but just as a little frog looking at himself in the future, that one's really adorable. Rotten reunion is, uh, a decaying American Gothic painting, which is really great. (laughs) Champion of the perished is a great pun and play on, I would love Uh, so if you don't know this about me i love planar chaos i love like color shifted cards from planar chaos that are like flavorfully related to one another still uh so champion of the perished and champion of the perish is just i love that so much but also um faithful mending is that for faithless looting uh so you see them putting the shrine back together again in faithful mending and it's also like a flashback that basically undoes what faithless looting did it's very great the last thing i want to mention before we we call it for this episode is siphon insight so siphon insight is one of our first glimpses at clothing styles that are not the typical innistrad we've seen so far not the typical 15 belt buckles and leather everywhere and all that good stuff you know, she's she's wearing like a um, like a Mediterranean belly dancer's outfit, basically. Uh, she's she's a vampire princess Jasmine. Um, <laughs> but what I like about it is we have gotten hints for a long time that there are other cultures across the sea from the Innistrad we know. We have never seen re- really seen any of them. 
uh, until basically this card, which is a, a vampire in a ship. Um, she also has on along her the, the the dress on the bottom, the same kind of cult symbol that we saw a lot of for the um, for the sea god cults in uh, Shadows of Innistrad and Eldritch Moon, the circle with like the three little J's coming underneath it. So that was pretty. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm 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 hopeful that we see like more cultures on Innistrad going forward. The one thing I always wanted to see is the other kind, the other kinds of werewolves that exist across the sea that we were told about way back in the first Innistrad and have yet to see. So that'll about do it. Brian, you want to move on to final thoughts? Sure. All right. My final thought is that I recently rewatched all the Matrix movies with my wife and the first one and the third one, the special effects hold up really well. The second one, it's like Gumby fights left and right. The special effects do not hold up well at all. <laughs> um, and, and the I, it might be a better movie than the third movie, but yeah, it's it's a whole lot. Uh, I'm very interested to see where the fourth movie goes. I liked them when I was younger, and then they felt so overplayed. I must have watched them like five, ten, five, six times maybe each. Uh, that I was just like sick of them <laughs> by a certain point, but uh, digging back into them like two decades later, uh, they're they're nice. They're they're a lot better than I remember, and especially knowing now what I didn't know about the influences then, especially with the first Matrix and some of the, like trans allegories, it's very very much more obvious these days. Uh, they're good movies. Yeah, it's funny because that was my mom's favorite movie when I was a kid. Um... You know, and I liked it too. So we watched a lot of it just because, uh, like, I liked the the violence of it. And she had she she was of the opinion that it was, there was a lot of religious things that you could take out of it. But I wasn't. I was just in it for the action. Um, but we watched a lot of it. I'm pretty sure that might be the movie that I've seen the most in my entire life. The first Matrix. There so. definitely was a lot about faith in that in those movies too. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, my final thought is that sometimes fandom needs to be divorced from the, 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 the actual content. Don't be afraid to partake in a content just because the fandom is toxic. Uh, that can be said for a lot of things, magic included. Um, if you enjoy something, enjoy it don't worry about what other people are saying or thinking about it if you don't want to be involved with the fandom because a lot of the times you can miss out on a lot of cool things there's a lot of stuff going on with critical role right now where they're implementing rules about how you can use their ip which you know was completely expected if eventually since they started selling stuff on their shop or whatever but you know even for other non-critical role ips don't be afraid to jump into something just because the fandom is toxic. Don't just don't involve yourself with the fandom. That is a very good point, Brian, because I think outside of the magic community, and I have significantly withdrawn my presence from once being a moderator of the largest magic fan site because I'm an idiot, uh, <laughs> an eventual admin of that site. God help me. Um, the I have really withdrawn, and I think the most I talk about magic is on this discord uh and like for other fandoms that i enjoy i don't participate at all like i don't want to know what anyone has to say about star wars 
Oh my god! Oh like, yeah, that is so much worse. Like Jesus. I don't, I don't, I don't even talk to people in real life about that, and <laughs> if I don't know them well, right? <laughs> like, oh I, my I god! I Like I, I don't uh, participate in any forums or anything like that. It's one of those things where I'll sometimes watch random TikToks about D and D or Critical Role or things like that. But if if, uh, if comments are toxic, I'm just not going to participate. And don't be afraid to have that 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 viewing of things because sometimes it's just not worth it to you 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 can miss out on a lot of cool things just because some of the people who who enjoy it as well maybe aren't super they're just toxic i I was trying to put a a fun a a good way to say it but sometimes people are just toxic and you need to ignore them so yeah i i'd say almost everything I, (laughs) i enjoy i don't i don't talk to people about unless i already know Unless I already know them very well. Yeah, I definitely don't talk with strangers on the internet about it. But if you do want to talk with strangers on the internet in a a small community uh, that is very supportive, uh, that is very um, even keeled, I would say, not prone to a lot of hyperbole, uh, not prone to a lot of the kind of toxic negativity or even toxic positivity uh, that can accompany these kinds of fandom communities, uh, you should check out our Discord, which you can join as a a member of our Patreon for as little as uh, $1 a month at patreon.com slash the VorthosCast. And how was that? Was that a smooth transition there, Brian? That was great. Perfect. How I told everyone about the uh, patreon.com slash the VorthosCast? Yep. Uh, and how they could support us in you know our endeavors and keeping this discord a, a lively community and keeping a great podcast coming to them every week i didn't actually say that part i said it just now though yeah but you're nailing it you're just you're killing it right now excellent excellent thank you thank you <laughs> all right well thank you all for listening this has been the vorthos cast